day everyone, you're listening to Time for Your Hobby, and this is episode 193, The Beautiful Heated Connection. I'm your host Alex, and today I have the honor to have Bex as my guest on the show. How are you doing today? I am doing quite well, thank you. That's perfect. I always love to hear that my guests are doing well, and even when they're sick, I hope that they're recovering well, and Bex was uh, courageous enough to come on, even though going through some body illness, and uh, we'll make this podcast very easy, and smooth. So it's not too stressful. I appreciate it. <laughs> so yeah, so today we're going to be talking about flame work. But before we jump into the flames, which you should not do, don't jump to fire. I hear that's a really bad thing. <laughs> before we jump into the topic, I'm sure the listeners would love to know who is Bex. Yeah, I mean, that's wow. I, that's existential in, in a lot of ways. <laughs> I'm going to be just a little bit slower on the uptake. I've just realized, I, I mean, one of the symptoms of COVID appears to be turning your brain to bush. So uh, <laughs> I uh, I have my fingers in a lot of pies, honestly. A lot of people know me as Potato Lady Podcast Reviews on Twitter, at Bex Goose. I also have a podcast of my own that is on hiatus due to life, uh, but we're coming back eventually. I do it with my husband. It's called Not Again with an exclamation point where we overanalyze children's entertainment for the sake of our own sanity. And I am occasionally a glass artist, I guess. Uh, so I think that's it. That's me. That's a great person. Yeah, that's a wonderful person. <laughs> and I remember recently I sent a tweet to Bex of a planet discovered shaped as a potato, but I was not supposed to reveal it. But yes, because yeah. she's the potato lady, I felt like, you know what? This is the perfect planet for her. <laughs> My home world was never supposed to be discovered. Yeah, we have a really good connection right now if you're calling from that planet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's good cell towers there. Yeah. <laughs> potato cell towers, yeah. Uh, so, okay, you mentioned you have a podcast, you do all these other things. So this is a perfect segue. Do you have any social media links, websites, or projects you're working on that you'd love to share? Yeah, I guess um, in no particular order, like I said, you can find me on Twitter at Bex Goose. That's B-E-X-G-O-O-S. My podcast, Not Again. Uh, we have a Twitter account that I run as well. It's just Not Again Pod. And um, I don't currently... So we're going to be talking about my flame working. I don't currently have uh, like a, a shop or anything for that, but my sister uses my glass to make jewelry for her shop. So if you're interested in buying like jewelry made with like glass beads and pendants and stuff, I suppose you could go to the Everyday Eccentric. That's uh, an Etsy shop. I believe it's etsy.com slash shop slash the Everyday Eccentric. And, uh, yeah, there's a ton, ton of other links and the best way to find out about me is just to go to my, um, my Twitter profile. My pinned tweet just has like everything about me because I, I just started way too many projects. Oh, I, I wrote, I wrote a novel. I wrote a young adult novel and it's for sale. It's called Hellbound. You can get it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble by searching for Rebecca Goose. That's quickest. And, uh, it's my pride and joy and it's uh, available digitally or physically. And that seems to be me. I think that I think that's where you can find me. That's awesome. I'll put that down below so people can go check that out. And I love how you and your sister combine your interest with her interest to create something new. It's not often you see families doing that, but that's really cool. Yeah, I I love seeing what she comes up with because she has she has the creative vision to put pieces together and find patterns and arrangements. And so I just create like a bead here or a pendant there. And, you know, I wonder like, oh, I wonder what she's going to do with this. You know, like I made a, 
I made a glass sushi bead. So it looked like uh, nigiri. And I was like, I'm just going to give this to her and see what happens. And she made it. It's this beautiful bracelet. And it's, you know, it's just so fun to see how she kind of interprets my work. I could just imagine you're like, you know what? Today I'm going to challenge my sister. I'm going to make this obscure thing. And your sister's like, I got this. But uh, <laughs> Well, yeah, no, it's that, that's the fun of it is I'm like, I don't even know if she can use this. Like, um, I don't know. I'm getting ahead of myself. But w- when you when you mess up glass art, you can just kind of like make it into something else. Uh, it's like extremely dangerous Play-Doh. Like if you if you were going to make a star and you didn't act, you didn't successfully make a star, you could kind of just like squish it up and make it something else. And so sometimes I'll do that with just like, Oh, I I messed this up. You know, I can't get this technique right. And I'll just make like a little pendant or something with a bunch of swirly colors in it. And I'll just be like, I wonder if my sister can do something with this because I can't imagine. And then I'll send it to her and she'll, she'll make something amazing out of it. So she's incredibly talented. Well, I guess we'll have to have her on as well. So we're, I'm just <laughs> going to have your whole family on. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. My, my brother does a webcomic. Um, you know, we were all very creative people. Oh, well, you're, you're doing this. You're teasing me. But you know what? As, <laughs> as much as I want them on today, I want to focus on you because you are the star, not the glass star. You could be a glass star, but we're not going to squish you up and turn you into something else. You're the glass star of this show. So for you, Flamework, how did you actually get introduced to it? Right. Yeah, it was a a very kind of just happy accident from a confluence of events that nobody could have predicted. Uh, I went I went to college for English. I I majored in English, but my I had a good friend who was in the science department. And there is a very specific job involving glassblowing that is called scientific glassblowing. Um, and it's, and my husband's a chemist, so I can tell you, it's basically when a scientist needs a very, very, very specific glass apparatus that will like separate chemicals here and add one drop of liquid here and have a condensation bit here. They have to literally like draw out what they need and then give it to the chemical glass blower and they make the apparatus for them. And so this, I'm trying to protect this person's identity because, um, I guess it doesn't matter now, does it? It's it's been like twenty years, <laughs> but like technically, I wasn't supposed to be down there bothering her. But she's very much of the free spirit type, who's kind of like everybody should do art, you know, whatever. And so my friend brought me down there to the basement of the science building, uh, where the the scientific glass blowing happened, and she had this amazing workshop with a, a giant lathe in the middle um, and two torches. Um, and she did her work on one torch and she let me just play around and and learn from her on the other. Um, she would teach me some techniques and I would practice them. And, and, and it just like, that was, that was the best time of my life. But when I graduated college, I, I couldn't do it anymore. Uh, this stuff, this equipment is very expensive. Um, and so just recently, uh, this past year, uh, I went back to school for glass art at Salem Community College in Salem, New Jersey. It's the tediest, tiniest little place, you know, nobody would ever know it existed. And yet it's like one of the premier glass colleges in America. Um, and I took a semester of courses and it was like coming home. Um, I I hadn't sat behind a torch in like a decade, but as soon as I as soon as I got back on it, I was like, it just, it feels right to me, if that makes sense. No, it absolutely does. And while well, you're taking these courses, I can imagine you did some glass, some flame work, but also I could be incorrect. There's also glass blowing. Did you do any of that? Or are those two separate set of skills 
in the same, let's say, genre? Yes. Genre is a good way to put it. So it's what's really helpful now is um, there's a, a Netflix uh, reality show called Blown Away. I think that's what it is. That has glass blowing. And I watched it. And the funny thing is, this is just a little like aside. I watched the first season and there was this guy who who got really far on it. And I was like, wow, this guy's really good. Like also quite attractive. So I'm rooting <laughs> for him, you know, whatever. And then like fast forward, I go to my first class at flame working school and a dude walks in to say hi to my teacher. And I look over and I'm like, well, that's just him. That's just the guy who was on <laughs> the, really? the reality show. <laughs> yeah. So the world, the world of uh, glass art is very, very small. Everybody knows everybody. It's so it's it's totally within the realm of possibility that someone will just walk in who's been on that show. But um, yeah, so glass blowing is something I think people are more familiar with. Like if if, if you asked like the, the average person, like, what do you know about like making glass? People would say, well, you get a tube and you get it real hot and you blow into it and it's big. And, and that is a separate part of the genre. Yeah, it's like it is a separate thing. It involves very similar techniques, but on a larger scale. Um, and it, the, on a series of different uh, tools and equipment. Flame working can use glass blowing techniques, but on a smaller scale. So uh, flame working or lamp working, I'm assuming, I think the question was there somewhere about defining it. So I'll just do this here. There is a torch that is, it's, I was going to say set to, but that's not right. You have a, a torch on a workbench that blows um, gas, gas fire mixed with oxygen. It heats it up to about 3000 degrees. And um, you, instead of blowing the glass, you have these glass rods. Uh, think about like you work with, I mean, it's like the size of a number two pencil, but like longer. Um, and they could be clear or colored. Um, some of them change colors in the heat. Red glass is my favorite because red glass turns clear in the heat. And so you actually cannot really see what you're creating 100% until you let it cool. Um, cause then the red comes back. It's kind of like magic. And so you can use tweezers and scissors and, you know, like these, you know, mashers and things to, um, manipulate the glass when it's hot cause it turns liquidy and you can build things, you can make jewelry. Um, but if you want to, you can also take a glass tube and blow into it to make smaller pieces that do involve glass blowing techniques. So I have done that. Now back to your question about do I did I do glass blowing? No, I'm just like it. It's so funny. It's just never appealed to me. Like when I when I do flame working, if something breaks, which will happen a lot, uh, it it it's it's never devastating to me. I, I either fix it or I make something new out of it, like I said, or I just start over. But with glass blowing, everything you make is big. And I just like, I could see myself trying one time to, to glass blow and like the piece breaking and me just being like, that's it. I'm done forever. Like I, I, it would be devastating to me. I can't, I can't understand how people would just like shrug that off. They're, they're making this huge apparatus, you know, and, and, and working blood, sweat and tears. And it takes more than one person to do it because it's so heavy and requires so much technique. And just to hear that crashing noise when something breaks, like I, 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 that's not for me with flame working if something breaks and it like falls on your workbench and you're like, Oh, well that sucks, but I'll get over it. You know? And this is a very odd question, but I remember watching a video of this a couple years ago, a couple years ago, I think it's called Rupert's teardrop or it's something along the lines where it kind of looks like a, 
a snake where there's one part that's very baldy and then it goes into a long little string that is very thin. And apparently if you hit the top, like the thick part, it does not break. But if you just tap the very thin part, it's shattered. Is that something that you've ever tried to recreate just for fun? Uh, no, but I can see how I haven't heard. I will have to look that up myself. There's so many like one of the great things about this art form is that you think you've heard it all and seen it all <laughs> until somebody does something completely new. And um, I haven't heard of that, but it makes sense. I, I mean, it reminds me that so there's a we have we had a lot of people come and do demonstrations and stuff. Uh, while I was at school, and uh, I think it was, I think it was Matt Scooby. There's a guy who um, he bakes very, very realistic uh, glass garbage. So he'll bake uh, sprite bottles and like plastic cups, but they're, they're glass. And he will, out of curiosity and I suppose just to mess with people, leave them, you know, by by public trash cans and stuff, uh, and watch what people do. And you know, 99 times out of 100, people just you know toss it right into the trash. But every once in a while, somebody will pick it up. And be like, wait a minute, is this Sprite bottle glass? Because it looks like crushed up and stuff. So I think it was him. He came in and he made a wine glass uh, with a very, very large cup portion. And uh, the stem of it was string thin. So it, it still functioned as a wine glass, but the glass was so thin that you could actually tap the top part and it would wobble back and forth. It would bend on the glass. Or sorry, the glass stem would bend, and and it, and that requires precision that I can't even imagine accomplishing because you know it didn't break, it didn't fall over, it still balanced, it still held liquid, but the 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 stem was so thin that it it was able to be pliant still. Um, so you can do a lot of stuff with with glass, and and yes, there are two types as well. Um, I work with borosilicate, which is a very hearty. Uh, glass. Um, we sometimes when you accidentally drop something, you call it drop testing it because um, <laughs> if you can pick it back up and it hasn't broken, it means like, hey, this is a pretty solid piece. So you can actually drop borosilicate pieces if they're thick enough. Um, I wouldn't recommend it, but um, they do occasionally just survive it. Um, whereas if it's if if it's thin enough, um, you know, it might just shatter in your hand if you pick it up. You know. It, and it, that's it, not a good thing. Depends. <laughs> no, no, it's not. I I have sustained many cuts and burns. <sighs> it's just a hazard of the trade. Um, I I stuck my arm in the flame once. It wasn't fun. Uh, <sighs> but that was the that was the hand torch. Oh, the geez. fun thing about me is I don't remember things very well. So one thing one thing I had never worked with before was a hand torch, which people can surmise is just a torch you pick up and move around, as opposed to one that's anchored to the bench. So every workbench had a regular like big old anchored torch and then a hand torch hanging off to the side and I turned on the hand torch and uh then I went to reach for something and uh I just I just forgot the hand torch was on oh, no. because I'm not used to having it you know I wasn't used to having it there and another thing is that also like the heat from the flame extends well beyond where the where your visible where the ability to see the flame ends so you're like, oh, the tip of the flame is here, but like the heat, the heat goes oh. much further. So I just like stuck my arm in there. And then I was like, well, that's a weird sensation. Like it takes a second. <laughs> like, I mean, like <laughs> my reflexes had pulled my arm back before I even realized what happened. You know, I just got some aloe vera. It was, and I had a pretty cool mark on my arm uh, for a while. It's it a battle, battle like a scar. Boomerang. It's a battle scar. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> it happens, you know, it's very hot. Uh, you have to be able to melt glass. So. I, I, I'm just rambling. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. But it's an interesting thing you brought up with talking about the, uh, 
the, the torch itself, the one that you can move around and one that you can place in one spot, which brings me to lead to ask, that was a weird way of saying that, what are some tools or safety equipments that you usually have around you when creating this? And just to add a little bit more to that, you mentioned that you can make interesting shapes with different things. So what are some interesting objects you use to create these intricate designs for your glasswork? Oh, yeah. Um, well, so every every flame worker and glass blower is going to have um, a special pair of glasses. They're called didymium lenses. Um, I tell people to think of it as like really, really high powered sunglasses um, because the flame, especially when you add glass to it, because it's basically chemical reactions happening. Glass is colored with metals. Um, for instance, gold is used to make red, which is why it's one of the most expensive colors. Um, so if you just put glass in this flame, it turns like this very bright orange, like the sun, <laughs> not, not, not on the sun's level, but it, it's like trying to look into the sun. It would hurt your eyes. What the didymium lenses do is they allow you, they take, they take that orange brightness away and you see into the flame so you can see what you're doing. And also it protects your eyes so that you're not just, you know, staring into bright light. So that's a requirement. And then, you know, I have tweezers and I have knives, any stainless steel equipment or copper equipment. Um, so, so the materials that can withstand are uh, stainless steel, copper, and graphite. What graph? Literally, what pencil tips are? Graphite. Um, so I have um, graphite spatulas. Um, I have a graphite like uh, a work surface, basically. So say I wanted to like put a piece of hot glass down and then use my spatula to compress it. I have that graphite um, work surface there that I can work on. I have some of this stuff has real fun names. I have a reamer. Uh, it's a ream holes. It's just the uh, it looks like, um, I don't even know how to describe it. It looks like a spear point, I guess, except it's round. Um, and you use it to kind of open up holes and things or, you know, up or poke holes and things. Scissors. I just have a, I just have a pair of scissors. And like I said, knives, you can cut glass when you get it hot enough, you can literally cut it and it makes a, a straight, sharp edged line. And, and, um, so um, I think my favorite tools are tweezers, though. I think tweezers are just so versatile what they can help you do. If you want to make a rose, you know, you, you can take a hot ball of glass, take the tweezers and pinch the middle of it and then twist it and you will have a rose shape. You know, you can use tweezers to I made uh, for one of my projects. I made snails wearing hats because I wanted to, there wasn't really inspiration there. I was just like, it'd be pretty fun to make some glass nails wearing hats. And I made one of them wearing a kind of like, you know, floral sun hat or whatever that like, you know, old ladies wear to do their gardening. And I used the the texture of the, the, the grip of the tweezers to pinch the glass to give it the effect of like straw. I, I really enjoy using those. And there's a lot of other like, you know, kooky tools and stuff like that. Like there's also just straight up molds. You can use graphite. There's something called a marble mold, which is literally just a graphite uh, mold with different size ha uh, hemispheres cut into it so that you can kind of drop the hot glass in there and roll it in there to make a perfect marble. So there's, it's just kind of a lot of stuff. And I, I started accumulating it pretty quickly i was like oh I, I think i got everything i need and then i was like you know what i really want and uh it's expensive it is absolutely especially the really nice tools the copper tools but you know there's it, there's just so much that you can do with it that you just want all the toys <laughs> and so um that was yeah 
that was uh, my toolbox, which is still sitting in my car is very heavy now because glass is also heavy, but I have a lot of stuff. And with all these tools, you could do different designs and I'm sure you look at them, you're like, all right, today, what am I going to, what am I going to make with this? So with that being said, what are some things you prefer to make? Because you mentioned the snails and I'm sure you have creativity coming out of everywhere. So what are some of those things you like to create? Uh, yeah, I, so I just, okay. So I, I just realized like the dumbest thing you, (laughs) you asked me to share my social media. And it didn't occur to me that I should probably share the one that has my glass art. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to very quickly say that I created a separate Instagram account for just my glass art, which I can't update until I get my home studio, which maybe, you know, 10 years down the line, who knows, but it's got a lot of my stuff. So that's the glass goose uh, without any at the end, because my last name is goose, G-O-O-S. That's Instagram at the glass goose. Um, you can see some of the stuff I've created there. I probably should have said that first instead of like paddling on. But uh, yes, my favorite stuff to make. So I love making animals. I love making glass birds. For my mom, I made, I think, was it her birthday or Mother's Day or something? Back in college, I made an otter. Her favorite animal is the otter. So I made an otter. And you know how they hold like shells on their bellies or whatever? I made a heart instead of like a shell. So um, she still has it, which is nice. Nice of her to keep it. Um, I also make these, like, I think that glass has a mind of its own, which I love. I love letting glass do whatever it wants to do. And another thing that happens is sometimes you accidentally discover a technique or something you can do. So one of the things that you have to be able to do really well, uh, move your right and left hand in the same speed, because what it, what it requires is rotating the glass in the flame. So you often have a glass rod that you're holding in both hands, the ends of in both hands. Glass doesn't conduct heat very well, by the way. So if you stuck one end of the glass rod into fire and then took it out and touched it, yes, you'd burn yourself, but the other end of the rod is still cool to the touch. It doesn't conduct the heat down the rod. So you can just hold it with your hand and you need to rotate it. So one thing that I needed to work on because I'm very much not left-handed, like I know some people are tilt more towards ambidextrous. I am not is, you know, I had to learn to rotate the glass at an even pace with both my right and my left hand. And I was not good at it. And one thing I discovered is if you rotate one hand a little bit faster, you can take what was like just a flat circle and twist it into kind of like a a twirly shape. And so I love making pendants that look like that, that have those little twirls and uh, and seashells. I, I absolutely adore making seashells. It's so fun. Um, just you know the the colors and the layers and things like that um I, I like making small things I like making jewelry I like making pendants I like making miniatures of stuff um like I said I, I was on a I was on a sushi kick for a while because I thought it'd be fun um I have a friend who really likes collecting miniatures um and so I made a plate of like glass sushi that you could like carry on your thumb uh, basically I have a picture of that on my Instagram I think and, uh, and so it's, it's just, it's so fun to challenge myself. And, and like I said, I, I, the, I think what I find so relaxing about glass art is I'm a perfectionist in all things. And usually I get very down on myself if I can't do something right the first time, which I know is a little bit mental, but there it is. And with glass, it's just never happened that way. I don't know why, but I just, if I try a technique and it doesn't work, I just shrug and I just make something else. So um, like I said, the Play-Doh technique of just like, well, you know, this didn't work out, so I'm going to squish it. <laughs> I'm going to melt it back into the flame. And, you know, it's a, uh, I did that when I was practicing making glass hands. Oh my God, that was one of the hardest things in the world. 
you know, it's like, oh, that thumb didn't work out. And then you just stick it back in the flame. And glass wants to be round. That is all like the hardest shape to make is a cube because glass wants to be round. So if you put it in the flame, it just kind of gathers back in on itself and turns into a blob again. <laughs> and so, you know, there's really no consequences. Um, you can use and reuse glass a lot. Oh, and my favorite thing to do is purposely break glass and then remake <laughs> stuff out of it. Um, just out of anger. You know, <laughs> well, no, I mean, I find it kind of zen, actually. I, I don't know. I, well, I, I had never blown glass before. So like I said, flame working, you could go your whole life technically never blowing into a tube. And when I went to these classes, they were like, okay, let's learn how to blow glass now. And I was like, oh, shoot, like I have no experience with this. So the first thing you do is you just kind of like practice making literally a bubble. Um, and it turns out that if you blow too hard, too fast, the bubble explodes um, <laughs> into like, just imagine the air full of little pieces of saran wrap. Um, it's very thin and it just kind of dissolves and it's not really great to have in the air, but there you go. And uh, what you do, um, I you have like a, a stainless steel, like not bowl, but like container of water on the bench in case you need to. Um, so what happens when you rapidly cool the glass is it snaps. So if you need like to clean the end of your glass rod, for instance, you just take that hot rod and you stick it, the tip in the water. And then it, the tip of it just breaks off and you have a clean end of your rod again. So what I would do when I was practicing making these bubbles, because I was bad at it for a very long time, is I would just quickly dunk them in water and they would crack into these other, these big pieces. And then I would take the pieces and I would use the flame to kind of attach them to each other in new patterns. And I would make pendants that way that they ended up looking like seashells. And one of them looked like a human heart, which was cool. And and so I, I, I discovered that I absolutely loved purposely breaking glass. And uh, I put I put a couple of videos of it on TikTok. Yeah, speaking, of, I, I don't really want to, <laughs> I, I guess I'll plug my TikTok. As I don't really TikTok a lot. I just like occasionally remember I have it, but I think, I think my handle or whatever it is, is everything is wrong forever. Um, so <laughs> yeah. love that. Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, um, I, I, I made a glass sculpture that was just like a bubble that I'd made that I then broke and then kind of just like took all the pieces and stacked them in weird ways. And it was, it was very fun. So I love doing all that. Well, okay. I got some good news for you uh, for the sites that you have missed. I always ask the question at the end, if you want to reshare any social media links so you can add all those in and then <laughs> I all, I'll always add those in the bottom. Even if let's say a year later, like, Oh, Alex, right. I had another one. I'll add it in the description. It's no problem. No, you're talking about making the hands and like, if a design doesn't work, you just smush it back down. And you're talking about the Play-Doh effect, well effect, but the Play-Doh concept. Now it had me wondering when you are creating this, these new ideas, do you have, let's say some Play-Doh on the side to just try to make a small model to try to figure out, okay, well, this could work. Or you're the type of person who's like, you know what? I'm going in. We're going to work with the glass. If it works, it works. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I am very impulsive. I will say that. <laughs> so I said that to, so sometimes you can sketch ideas ahead of time. And, uh, you know, for, for the project where I was making hands, it was, a it was, uh, I think the project itself was titled like bodies in motion or something like that. I wanted to make a person, uh, a gymnast doing like a backflip. And, uh, and rather than have Plato, which, uh, you know, is I, you try to keep things that aren't, you know, that could potentially be dangerous if they're lit on fire far away. Although some people have like notebooks out on the bench. That's always a risk. Um, but uh, my instructor said to create essentially a glass stick figure 
model um, as a kind of like jumping off point to like visualize how you want things. And so I did, I just took a bunch of thin clear rod and I made a stick figure doing a backflip. And I had that out in front of me as I was creating the actual human model uh, so that I could use it as a 3D like blueprint basically for what I was creating. And it was incredibly helpful to do that. I mean, it helped that I had sketching. Uh, my mom my mom taught me how to like sketch and draw basic in basic form. She took art classes when she was in college. So she passed on some stuff. So like I know about how to kind of like sketch a rough model of the human form. If you're drawing it, you're going to kind of erase and draw more fine details on top of it or whatever. The, the same kind of worked for, for glass is I created a very basic model uh, to the best of my ability with proportion. It wasn't perfect, but it was just a model. And then I basically needed to recreate that, but with more fleshed out, you know, pieces, literally fleshed out. And do you still own, because it sounds like you've made so many of these that I, I could be wrong, but you probably lost count of how many you made, but do you still own the first one you've ever created? No, that's, you know, I'll say this. I have a lot of this stuff that I made back in college still with me today. And I cherish it very much, especially since I can kind of see, like, I remember where I started. I remember the first time I tried to make a pendant that was just a circle, you know, with a hook, you know, so that you could attach it to a chain. And it was lumpy. And it was, you know, it was so, I was so proud of myself, though. Like, it, I, I still am. Like, I, you know, I, I, I'm not like, <laughs> oh, I was wrong to be proud of myself or whatever. But like, to, to, to think about, like, that's where I started out. And now I'm making human bodies. You know, it's, I have a lot of it. I don't even know what the first thing I made would have been. Because uh, she would have taught me some very basic techniques. Um, so probably, I, yeah, I think I probably started out making what's called a gather, which is pretty self-explanatory. It's when you, you allow glass to gather up on itself at the end of the rod. So you have like a blob and then uh, flattening it into a circle. So I think that was probably the first stuff that I started doing was just like learning how to rotate the glass properly and flattening it with the tools at hand. Uh, and eventually I started making slightly more complex stuff, uh, experimenting. And to answer your question, sometimes I do just experiment because I... I genuinely believe like you'll have an image in your head and you'll be like, this is how I'm going to make it happen. And then the glass gets a mind of its own. And I love letting it do that. I, I, I'll i think like, oh, this will look best if it's like this. And the glass will be like, actually, I'm going to crack right here. And it's like, oh, actually, yeah, no, if you crack and then, and then put this here, it will look better or something like that. Because it'll crack very quickly. If you, if the thicker the piece, the more likely it is to crack. I mean, most people understand the physics of this, but like, if you have something that's really hot and then you let it cool and then you try to get it hot again really, really fast, it will crack because it's stressed out. It's literally stressed out. Um, and so if you, you have to make sure to keep that glass hot as you're working with it. And if you don't, it, it, it could, you know, just explode um, or a crack could run through it or whatever. Um, and I, I love, you know, seeing bubbles in glass. I love seeing cracks in glass because that's what glass is. It's something that it's not perfect. It bubbles and it cracks. And, and you just, I, I don't think I should say cracks anymore because I've said it too much. But, um, <laughs> you know, I just, I, I made some glass grapes for my first project. And if you look in them, especially with like a flashlight, you can see those little fissures that I had to like uh, melt over basically to make sure that the surface was not jagged because then, you know, you could cut yourself. 
but the inside you can still see those little little uh, imperfections that other people other people would call them that. But I I think they they make the piece something special. It's perfect imperfection. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> And with all these creations, are there colors that you prefer to use that just speak to you? Yes, absolutely. Like I said, I love working with red, but my, my favorite color is purple. But I discovered that it's actually quite hard to get purple glass. It really depends on just like what the metals you have to work with can do. And uh, so oftentimes you'll have a glass that has what's called a striking color. Uh, so what it is is you look at the glass rod and say you look at the you you're say you're looking at a glass rod that's blue you're looking at it and you say ah this is blue but the information about that glass will say this glass strikes green and yellow and what that means is while it looks blue while it's cool before you've worked with it as soon as you work with it and make something and then cool it in the annealing oven that blue will actually be a striking color of green and yellow so there's something called amber purple which is my favorite color to work with of all time. And it looks amber when you before you've worked with it. And uh, as you heat it, purple and amber and like this golden color swirl through it. Um, and so the only way to, I mean, not the only way, but it's one of the ways to get purple is just to accept that it's going to be mixed with like a kind of lovely palette of yellows as well. Um, and I just love seeing what's going to happen because you can't control that. Like you'll get instruction manuals that say like, if you want this to be more amber, you know, keep it cooler. And if you want it to be more purple, get it hotter, but you can't a hundred percent control which colors change where. And I love the unpredictability of that because it means that even if you're creating the piece, you get a surprise at the end for like what the final outlook will be for it. And so that's my favorite color to work with. I love striking colors in general. And that mixing all those colors just is pleasant for the eyes. It just, it drags you in. It's kind of looking like looking at the Northern Lights in a way. Yes. <laughs> and actually there is a, I, I just discovered a color called Alaskan Night that I believe kind of looks like the Aurora Borealis. So they have, they have very fun uh, names for the glass. Uh, there's Mighty Moss. That's a fun one. It's a nice green sparkly glass. Um, amber purple, like I said. Alaskan night, uh, dragon's blood, <laughs> you know, it just, it depends. There's, there's 15 different kinds of black. You can get onyx, you can get jet black, you can get, you know, it just depends. And so they have some fun names for them. Uh, I, I recently discovered Loki's lipstick, which is, uh, these names are amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just, I mean, they're so, they're so fun, you know, English Ivy and, uh, Slurm from Futurama fans. I found that there's this like really uh like radioactive green color that they call slurm because that's the soda they drink in futurama that's like <laughs> like mountain dew-esque i suppose okay so i gotta ask you i gotta ask you if you were to create a color what would you name it just out of curiosity maybe all the colors have been made but if you had one in your mind what would you name it or let's say just not name it but rename if some one color you're like yeah i don't like the name what would you rename it oh that's interesting I think that I think I, a lot of the ember purples I would I would probably call nebula. There probably is a color called nebula or something nebula. Honestly, I haven't looked at all of them. There's so many, but it looks like it looks like a galaxy, uh, you know, just or the Milky Way. Just all the colors working together, and and I love creating like space scenes and ocean scenes, which are I know they seem very different, but they 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 aren't to me space space and the ocean have their like unique color palettes and stuff. So I think I would call it nebula. 
And for you, this might be a really tough question, but which one of your creations is your most valued? The one that speaks to you the most? My most valued. Wow. Yeah. Well, there's, I mean, there's a couple different answers to that. I, there's one piece that I call my chili peppers uh, that is valued because I would never in a million years be able to recreate it. It's uh, so there is, I'm going to try to say this as quickly as possible. There's a technique called Marini. Um, and my nose is stuffed, so I'm getting a little nasally, and I'm sorry about that. But a marini, the way that I describe it to people is sometimes you make a cake where you like put a pattern in the middle so that when you make a slice of the cake, the number five is there for your fifth birthday or whatever it is, right? Like you you are able to take something, put cake batter around it, bake it, and when you make slices, you see that pattern in every single slice. A marini is like that, but with glass. You you make a pattern. And then you make it, you pull out a rod that's really thin. And when you slice into it, you have like little flowers or whatever. Um, but at the end of that, you have kind of a glob of color that you're really not <laughs> supposed to work with. And like I said, usually when you take something that's cool and you put it in the hot fire, it cracks. But I made a marini out of like this lovely like red and like I think like a blue green and some clear glass. And I would put it back in the fire. I don't even remember why. This was back in college. And instead of cracking, it unrolled. Oh. And I can send you a picture of it too. I have it somewhere. Uh, I think it's in my jewelry box. So it unrolled and started to separate from itself a little bit, um, which is something I'd never seen before. And that's why I couldn't recreate it because I, I don't know the exact <laughs> circumstances that created that result. Like I could accidentally have it happen again, but I could never purposely you know, do that. And so I made a pendant out of it and I call it my chili peppers because it kind of looks like a, you know, chili peppers, you know, they are hanging. Um, but that one is very valuable to me for that reason. It's just like, I couldn't recreate it. It was just like a happy accident that I got to, you know, keep with me. And, and I, that, that turned out beautiful through really no effort on my own like part. Like that wasn't me going like, I'm going to create a beautiful pendant. It was the glass saying, here, let me help you out. Those got to be like the best moments where you just, you create something and then just something out of nothing, something completely different comes along. You're like, what is this masterpiece? What did I do? I love this. And just, you're, you're like pondering when you're going to sleep, like, how did I do this? Can I do it again? Maybe not. This is a once in a lifetime. <laughs> and it's just, some, it's just very special. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I think of the things that I created while I was at this semester of college last semester, I pushed myself to, to make things that I did not think that I could. And I was really surprised to find out that I could do glass blowing at all, considering how tentative I was about it uh, to begin with. But I think give, even though it's uh, ridiculously imperfect and I would do it differently, uh, I probably still will one day actually uh, do it differently when I have my own home studio, but I, I created a carousel. Um, the project was uh, simple. So because I was only taking a semester, I asked them if I could take intro to flame working and advanced flame working at the same time, citing the fact that I had experience in the past and they let me. So this was in the intro to flame working course. The project was multiples because the only way to get good at something is to make it again and again and again. And so the the goal was just to create a piece that required you to make the same thing many times. And I chose a carousel because you make multiple carousel horses. And so, you know, it, the carousel is lumpy and cracked <laughs> in places because it's so big that, of course, you know, like one end of it cooled down. And by the time I went to work on it again, it cracked. You know, that's how it happens. 
and I made carousel horses and you know they're 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 absolutely imperfect but at the same time you can see uh the progression right there in front of your face of like here's how I improved uh the carousel has four horses on it and I tell people that it's horses uh four five six and seven Horse number one <laughs> was an aborted attempt. I uh, I didn't even finish it because it was so bad. Uh, horse number two, I was like, well, at least this looks like a horse. And that was the best I could do. Horse number three was okay. Uh, I made it into a cocktail stir. Nice. and did not put it on the carousel. And by horse number four, I was like, okay, like now I'm, I'm okay with this. And I, I value that carousel very much because it's, it's, it's literally, you know, me able to see my own progress and my own perseverance. And also I just, you know, I'm a horse person. One of my hobbies used to be horseback riding. So, you know, carousels, when I was little, carousels were one of my favorite things of all time. My mom would help me, you know, pass the time waiting in line by picking out my favorite horse and, you know, the one that I would want to ride when it was my turn and seeing all the beautiful colors and manes and stuff. And so it has a lot of nostalgic value to me as well. And there are pictures of it on my Instagram, I'm pretty sure. So, uh, it's, again, it's not perfect. I'm pretty sure one of the horses has legs that look more like a monkey's. But, it's, you know, <laughs> it's a it futuristic was fun to make. And, yeah, it was, it was a challenge. And, and, I, and normally, like I said, I shy away from challenges because I'm a perfectionist. But I allowed myself to try it. And, you know, it, it, it became a thing. It, it, was, it was something that I finished from start to start to finish. And so that's something I'm very proud of. And as you should be, you should be proud of your work. I, I just saw the photo itself and it's magical. Like the intricacy of how you did it looks amazing. Well, thank you. I, I, I wouldn't have guessed it was horse. Was it three, seven and... <laughs> Uh, like, three, four, three through seven. Yeah. Three, four, yeah, yeah. five, uh, <laughs> or, or four through seven, four, five, six, seven. There we go. I, I can imagine they don't have numbers on the horses themselves. <laughs> no, they don't. I just, I just know that they are the four through seventh that I made. And, uh, I also understood that like, you know, ideally I would have actually used horses 63 through 65 or whatever it is. But like I had several other projects and glasses expensive. So at some point you just have to say like, okay, well, I'm using, I'm using these fully understanding <laughs> that, you know, you will just, you will get better with each one you do. Um, that was one where I had to have visuals. You know, I would Google carousel horse because, you know, I, I carousel horses and horses have a lot of similarities, but also a lot of differences. Carousel horses tend to be daintier and with very dramatic poses. And so that was one where I had to use constant visuals to help and, and horse legs you don't think about it but they have very specific like bends and and curves and stuff like that and so i i always had my phone out and far away from the fire um <laughs> when i was looking at that so you, you become very aware of where your cell phone is if you're using it for a visual aid your, your cell phone your arm you got to make sure that nothing touches the yeah. flame <laughs> my hair was always tied back good um you have to wear this is a fun one you have to wear cotton clothing only if you wear synthetic fabrics and you light yourself on fire, congratulations, that fabric is melting to your skin. Oh, um, so <laughs> cotton just burns. And uh, I have I have uh, at least one shirt with some burns through it. Um, but that's 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 fine. It, like it's like, hey, it's a new pattern. It's the burn shirt. But like, yeah, yeah. You, you want it to have burns, burn holes through it. You don't want it to melt. That would be bad. So you, you, you tie your hair back. You wear cotton clothing. You make sure you don't have dangly jewelry you know, like no headphones. Like I use my, my AirPods because, you know, no wires could get caught up there. 
Um, so it's, it's important. Safety is very important. Um, and you're still going to get burned sometimes. You're still going to forget to reach and grab something that's still hot because because glass that's recently been in the flame and glass that hasn't yet been in the flame looks exactly the same. Like it will it will get red hot when it's in the fire, but as soon as it cools down even a little bit, it just turns clear again. So you'll you'll hurt yourself, but there's ways to minimize that. Safety first, kids. Safety first. Yeah, safety first, <laughs> but this is very important. And for you, what would you say is the best part about flame work on a personal and an emotional level? I think the best part is how you know meditative it is for me. I was always surprised by how exhausted I get from doing it because you're really sitting still for a long time. And, and just focusing on your hands and you're not moving a lot. But after a couple hours of it, I would have to call it quits because I felt just drained, not in a bad way, just in a kind of like, I need to, you know, go watch some TV and not think for a while. But it, you know, I would just kind of get into this zone and I love the act of creation. And, oh, here's, you asked me earlier what I like creating. I learned how to make something called an, an implosion, uh, an which is... Yeah, it's it's it sounds cooler than it's not an explosion, but it is it is a flower for the most part. You can do other stuff. It, it it essentially the end product. You can Google it. It looks awesome. Is a flower that looks like it's encased in glass and three D and stuff. And those require just endless, just sitting, rotating the glass, barely touching it to the flame. Like you cannot rush this process, or it doesn't come out well. And I would just sit, and I would make these and time would just kind of fall away and I wouldn't have any pressures on myself and whatever stresses of the day I had, you know, I just, I, I left them behind and I would just sit and challenge myself to make something better each time. And, and the fin- when the finished product is something beautiful, you, you just feel this really, it just deep down sense of accomplishment that, you know, no one can really take away from you. And so um, that's, that's what I love about it. And uh you know, you never get to, it's, it's interesting, you never get to take a piece home the same day you make it, because it requires a, a process called annealing, where it goes in a very specific uh, oven or kiln that carefully and slowly takes the glass down from how hot it was to a normal temperature where you could touch it. Uh, if you rapidly cool the glass, like I said, it's too stressed out, it will break. But if you slowly cool it over the course of 12 hours, uh, or more, uh, it, it the stress fades away, and, and again, you can drop test it, and maybe it will break. <laughs> uh, so you have to basically wait a day to see fi- finished pieces. So there's always that waiting too, that anticipation of opening the oven and seeing, you know, what I made yesterday, and oh, how did this come out, and stuff like that. So it's always fun. I could always imagine as well is that once you're done your work, you take a photo and then you put it in, so you're like, okay, I can appreciate it until it's done. Uh, until it's done cooling down. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I mean, especially you take a lot of pictures, documenting your work is so important. But like, especially with striking colors, I, I remember I made a, a cuff uh, that I was inspired by human veins. Um, I call it my vein bracelet. And the, col- uh, the color I was working with, speaking of you know what I was saying earlier, it looked blue, just like a solid blue color. But it was a striking color. Uh, and so when I put it like when I took pictures of the initial piece before I annealed it, you know, it looked like this blue veiny piece. And then I put it in the oven and the next day it was a piece that was, uh, just a whole riot of colors that weren't there when I was working with it. 
And so it's a, it's a lovely surprise. And, and before and after pictures are also very fun for that reason. And once again, it's, it's your way of like preserving like, oh, this is what it looked like before. And this is what it looks like after. Yeah. I did this on purpose. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. This was all, this was all uh, yes. intentional. <laughs> you, de- you definitely have to be like, yeah, I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> this, this, I did this on purpose for sure. And for you, what is something you, that you know now that you wish you knew when you first started Flamework? I mean, like, I, I don't want to live my life with, with re- regrets or whatever, but I think a part of me wishes that I knew that flameworking existed before I knew it existed. Because I think that a part of me would have wanted to actually go to school for glass art. Not that I'm uh, uh, unhappy with the way that my life turned out. I got to be an English teacher. I got to be a podcaster. And I know a lot of stuff would have been different. But maybe I would have been able to go to grad school or something like that, you know, a little sooner than I did um, and, and, and take, get the full experience. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just because it's clearly something that I feel so strongly about. It was hard to leave it behind for so long in my life. You know, there's some people who get lucky. They, uh, you know, there are people who go see a demonstration when they're seven years old and they're like, this is it for me. I'm going to be a glass blower or whatever, but I didn't have that. It didn't even occur to me that, you know, glass had to come from somewhere until it smacked me in the face. Not literally that would hurt, but like, <laughs> you know, it's just like, you know, I like, oh, of course, you know, of course people work with glass. Of course this has to happen, you know, but like, I, I didn't have that moment, you know, until I was two or three years into college. So, but at least you had that moment, right? You're, so yes, here you are I'm now. very, very grateful for It's it. one of those things like, yeah. sure, it would have been great if it was earlier on, but at least at this point you had it at least introduced in your life and you're creating beautiful things now, which is wonderful. It's better late than never, right? Yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I do hope to have my own studio at home. I mean, technically, I have all the tools of glass, I just need the, the bigger equipment, you know, and, uh, and, and at some point, I'll, I'll have it, be able to just use that to, to be my Zen space whenever I need it at home. And I'm very much looking forward to that. I bet you you already have in your head the perfect design for your studio and how you're going to place all your beautiful creations as well, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, like an artist space is, is, it's just really essential. And I mean, like, ideally anyone could just like throw a shed up in their backyard and make whatever they need it to be. But, you know, I probably end up working out of my garage with, you know, music in the background and making sure my kids never got anywhere near the torch. Um, (laughs) and, uh, you know, until they're old enough. But yeah, it's just, it's, it's a fantasy right now. It's a dream, but uh, it seems like an attainable one. So yeah, but it's a beautiful dream and with beautiful creations as well. And the way you're speaking about it today with so much passion and so much drive, I feel like you're going to achieve this quite shortly. I could be wrong, but I feel like you're going to achieve this very shortly. Thank you. And this is a very important question and I'm sure you have a lovely question or question, a lovely answer for it. What are some misconceptions about people who do flame work? Uh, I, I think it depends on who you ask because, uh, there, I, I, I believe that could be wrong. I believe there are some glass blowers out there who think that flame working is not a worthwhile pursuit for whatever reason. It's, it, it, it's honestly a, a relatively recent technique that kind of came up in the world as like, uh, something that more and more people want to pursue, but, uh, it's no longer just a pursuit for, you know, uh, like a, a Venetian artist who apprenticed since they were five years old and now they're 63 and they can, you know, they can do all this stuff and they have their studio, whatever. I mean, like, yes, those people exist. Venice is well known for their flame working and their glass blowing, uh, as is the Czech Republic, I believe, and Japan. 
but like yeah i mean like i think that that's one misconception is like you know it's not something you're gonna find in just like one small part of the world people you know people do it all over and they kind of make names for themselves with their own particular techniques and so it's kind of uh, a unifying thing you know you, you go to europe you go to japan you go to america you're going to find people who do this and they're going to be very welcoming it's a very welcoming community and i could also imagine as well while you see all these other people doing it you probably get inspiration from their creation so i'm just twisting this a little bit but where do you usually pull your inspiration to create these new masterpieces uh yeah i mean like it depends so i i being in school for it was different for me because it was the first time somebody told me like you have to make x y or z like somebody directing me to make something as opposed to me just being like i wonder what i feel like making today um and so you know and the, the projects were never too constricting you know when i made a carousel it wasn't like hey you have to make something with animals it was just like hey make something but uh <laughs> i take inspiration from what i find beautiful i suppose you know hence this the flowers and the seashells and uh you know pendants and things like that i want to see how i can manipulate colors and shapes and, and come up with something unusual uh you know i don't i i wish i could tell you where the scales with hats thing came from i think it was <laughs> i think it was a weird progression i i made a beetle for my first project in my advanced flameworking course and then i was the, i told my instructor that i never wanted to make another beetle as long as i lived because i've had to make so many because it's very difficult to make an insect they have a lot of delicate pieces um, and he said instead of never making one again you should make one every time you you flame work you should just keep making beetles because that's the only way that you're going to improve and so i did occasionally go back to making bugs and for some reason i decided to put a hat on a ladybug and then i thought snails with hats would be best because snails have those beautiful <laughs> shells and they could kind of like complement the hat, you know? Um, and so that's, you know, my inspiration comes from my weird brain sometimes. It's I love just it. like the way that, you know, I, I sometimes have weird thoughts and then they turn into weird glass projects. But that's the beauty of it. The, the creativity, just spontaneous creativity. You can kind of create the most crazy but beautiful things i don't know why for some reason when you talk about like the the hats on the snails i'm like oh maybe she's gonna say she got the inspiration from the peanut mr peanut with the top hat and the monocle oh yeah yeah that could be an inspiration oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah i know i just i like making well so like i've made uh when i decided to make uh an instagram specifically for my glass because I guess I'll call it personal Instagram is essentially for my podcast reviews. And I didn't want to muddy that up with suddenly like all this glass stuff. I decided I wanted to have a kind of a mascot made out of glass for the profile picture. And so I made a glass goose uh, and then I put a monocle and a top hat on him. So I was kind of in like a putting a hat, putting hats on things face, I guess. Um, and so, um, and I call him the gentleman goose. I still have him somewhere. You know, so I, I think I think that I did just, yeah, I just I wanted to Mr. Peanut everything. I wanted to put top hat something. <laughs> Everybody deserves happens, a top so. hat. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. Top hats are very fun. And uh, do you have any word of advice for anybody who might be interested in picking up flame work as a hobby? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, like, learn from my experience and, and pursue it. Um, you know, it, it, it's it, there are amazing schools, of, you know, you can go to in the States. There's. Like I said, Salem Community College. There's also Penland, which is in North Carolina. That's another glass school. There's a couple others. 
make connections because like I said, this community is very welcoming. Go on social media and follow people, you know, and, 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 and take inspiration from them, you know, and then remember all the safety stuff. I said, don't be the person who puts your arm in the fire. Um, <laughs> that's important as well. But yeah, I just don't, don't worry about it if you're not perfect at it because glass allows you to not be perfect for a very long time, maybe ever. And it's still great. As Bob Ross said, happy accidents, perfect imperfection or imperfection. Perfect. Yeah. Either way, whatever you make a mistake, it's something that's beautiful. You can learn from it and it's kind of unique to itself. And it's, I, it's what you create. I genuinely thought about Bob Ross a lot. Well, I, I'm not kidding because he's right. It, it's just like any accident you make, any, anything that happens that's unexpected with glass, it's often just beautiful in its own right. So it's fun. And just quickly, do you name your projects? Um, you know, not really. It's funny. <laughs> I, 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 I do occasionally if one, if one strikes me. So the, like, for instance, the carousel, I can just call it carousel, you know, like, it, I wasn't like, ah, oh, I'm going to name this something. But for the, for the bodies in motion projects, I, uh, I created this gymnast and then I, uh, in her chest is a heart. So it's a clear human body, but there's a bright red heart, uh, in her body because I wanted, to, I, I just like, the inspiration that I took there was like how honed their bodies have to be and how disciplined they have to be to be able to do backflips. Um, and I think that a lot of that is in both the literal heart, which is just like exercise and the metaphorical heart. You really have to be passionate about it to be able to do gymnastics. Like you can't just be like, eh, I'll learn to do a backflip today. <laughs> I hope, I don't know. And so that one I did name heart because it, you know, it was kind of like the inspiration behind it. So it, it depends if it speaks to me, yes, I will name it. Otherwise, it's like, hey, here's my project, snails with hats, because they are snails <laughs> with hats. You know, like, there's not a lot of, you know, uh, high functioning brain power that, you know, comes to figuring out why I named it that. Well, it's funny you say that because I used to produce music and whenever I had to name a title for the file, I'll be looking around my room. I say, okay, highlighter post-it. Sure. That's the name <laughs> of this one. It doesn't have yeah. to do anything with it. But sure, it just needs something to be saved under. <laughs> and it's actually leading up to my following question. We talked about this at the beginning. You talked about it a little bit in the middle. This is your chance to gain the power to share all your social media links again. <laughs> Do you have any social media links, websites, or projects that you would love to reshare? All of them. Hit me with all of them. I, yeah, I will, I will go down <laughs> the list, but I'm going to call it and try to keep it uh, to what's relevant. <laughs> My personal Twitter and Instagram is still Bex Goose. Uh, that's basically I do podcast reviews. And my podcast is not again with an exclamation point. I tell people, uh, you know, if you start with episode one, please understand that we were still learning what we were doing. Um, but if you want to start with an episode where we know what we're doing, people tend to like our Finding Nemo episodes, which is seven and eight, I think, or eight and nine. Eight and nine. Anyway, yes. Uh, you can find my glass art on instagram at the glass goose uh no periods or underscores or anything it's all one word uh but no e at the end with goose because my last name is g-o-o-s uh you can also find a hodgepodge of stuff but more recently glass stuff on my tiktok that i occasionally remember to update um and that again my handle is everything is wrong forever all one word and then i guess it feels appropriate to plug this here so i will i do have a gofundme for my home glass studio it's it's not one that i intend to ever like I, I i know that it will probably never reach the goal i put the goal in something low like 800 but the truth is that i probably need closer to a couple thousand to just 
be able to afford the torch and the annealing oven. Those are the expensive things. But once I can afford those, I will be able to have my home studio. So you can definitely find that GoFundMe. Um, it's I think you can just go to GoFundMe.com slash Potato Lady Glass. Um, all one word. And for, for people who had already donated, because I was at a glass studio for a time, I made them a piece and sent it to them already. Um, if I should ever reach some sort of goal that allows me to set up a home studio, um, I will I will hold true to that same thing where I will send a piece to anyone who donates to me. It just might take several years, but I won't forget. <laughs> um, so that's that's still active. I'm just not I'm not pushing it too much, but it's there. Well, you know what? I'll push it. I'll push it in my show notes. So whoever is looking at this booking, listening to this podcast, will check out the show notes. So I'll put all those things down below so people can go show it. And of course, show some support for you. I really appreciate that. And now for the last question, make sure you're on the edge of your seat. You have your popcorn ready. I don't know why popcorn, but have anything ready for this question. <laughs> Do you have any questions for me about flame work? Uh, what was the <laughs> thing you said? It was a teardrop shape, you said. It was Rupert's. Okay, it's called, I think it's I'm called look Rupert, that up. Rupert's Drop. I am looking it up right now. It's like Rupert's Teardrop. Okay, it's called Prince Rupert's Drop. It's Prince like Prince Rupert's a, Drop. Yeah, it's like a scientific thing where it kind of, I better lack of a term, looks like a sperm. So the yep. front end is very thick and round, and then it just thins out, and you can put like you can smash it with a hammer. There's a lot of YouTube videos about this. Smash the thick end with a hammer and it will not shatter. But if you were to just like just tap lightly the very thin, thin part, the whole thing shatters. Like I saw there's some videos online of people shooting it with a bullet and did not shatter. Oh, wow. And then they just the light little tap at the bottom, the whole thing gone. Well, I think everyone should look that up. I think glass is so fascinating with that. But yes, so I learned something from you. Yes. And I appreciate that. I'm going to, I'm going to look it up. Yeah. There's a lot of slow motion videos about it too. So it's kind of like cool to just watch the whole thing shatter. It explodes too. It's crazy. I'm sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's fun. Well, look at that, Alex. I did something today. I taught something about something. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel productive. <laughs> But so there you have it. Another body with a hobby. Thank you, Bex, for coming on and just sharing your passion for flame work and going into detail and talking about the intricacy, I can say that word, intricacy <laughs> of uh, flame work and the amazing things you can make with glass and the beautiful creations. I cannot thank you enough. And if people want to show you some love, go check out the links down below. They'll be all there. So it'll be very easy to go show Bex some love. And if you'd like to be on my podcast or have any questions at all, you can send me an email at timeforyourhobby at gmail.com. And of course, if you want to show some support, I have a Patreon, I have Redbubble where I sell merchandise, or you can even just leave a review. You know, reviews help. Yeah, they help. Yeah, that's 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 a fact. They help. And uh, yeah, just any kind of support will be greatly appreciated. But what you do definitely have to do is go check out Bex's work and show her support and go check out her GoFundMe. So Bex, thank you again for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. This was a fun talk. So until the next episode, make some time for your hobby. Take care.